overcoming the power of deception, overcoming the tactics of the enemy. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 is on the screen. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want to read it from the New Living Translation just to give you an understanding in more of a modern day English. For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Dr. Porter Barrington writes, he said, Writers exhaust hyperbole in attempting to describe Romans. But whatever else may be said, it is the believer's Magna Carta. It sets forth the pathway by which you and I can enter full understanding and live in full freedom. And it opens the way to our possessing the full dimensions of all the spiritual real estate intended for us through the salvation Jesus Christ has purchased for us all. Martin Luther said, this letter is the principal part of the New Testament and the purest gospel, which surely deserves the honor that a Christian man should not merely know it by heart, word for word, but that he should be occupied with it daily as the daily bread of his soul. For it can never be read too often or too well. And the more it is used, the more delicious it becomes and the better it tastes. One of our theme scriptures this year for this year of joyful increase is, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I love the words of Romans chapter 1 verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The New Living Translation translates the word gospel as good news. We hear a great deal today about fake news. And the news is often slanted and truths are twisted to fit a political agenda or a narrative that the news media hopes to convey. Oftentimes, there's a rush to judgment before the whole story is told. Fake news. Anybody heard fake news lately? Say amen. The devil works to deceive, to ensnare, to enslave, and to destroy. Who is this enemy? Well, the Bible identifies him in the following ways. In Genesis 3.1, he's subtle. In Job 1.9, he's slanderous. In Zechariah 3.1, he opposes the people of God. In 2 Corinthians 11.14, he's deceitful. In John 10.10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In Revelation 12.10, calls him the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses the brethren day and night. That's why he comes to you and he brings up your past. You see, if Jesus has forgiven you, your past is no more. It is blotted out. The Lord doesn't remember it. When the devil comes before him and says, let me talk to you about James' past or let me talk to you about Bryson's past. The Lord says, I don't have any record here. For the Bible says he blots that out. He puts that out. He removes our past sins and mistakes as far as the east is from the west. But he's the accuser of the brethren. First Chronicles 21.1 identifies him as the tempter. Job 1.12 says he afflicts. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 refers to him as the God of this world. He's called Belial, Beelzebub, a murderer, the prince of this world, the ruler of darkness. He's called Satan, a serpent, and the wicked one. In Ephesians 2.2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 
verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But one of Satan's favorite tools is deception. We don't understand the power of deception. Satan is a deceiver and he's very good at it. If he could deceive one third of the angels who were in the presence of the Lord who fell with him, how powerful is deception? Now, do I have to worry about deception? Well, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, comes and lives on the inside of me. And if the Spirit of truth lives on the inside of me, he will show me what's right and he'll show me what's wrong. He'll show me what deception really is. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like light. Lightning from heaven. Deception is the action of deceiving someone. What happens when we believe the lies of the enemy? Well, Satan loves to attack our identity. He wants you to think that you're something other than what God called you to be. And the world loves to put labels on us. We just try to label everything. We label personality types. We label different things. And the world would love to put a label on you. But I've got a label that the Lord hung on me. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. We were not a people, but now we are the people of God. I love that. Listen, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 91, it says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Listen to the sobering words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32. I want to tell you I'm talking about the deception of our day. And what is the deception of our day? Well, number one, a loving God will not punish sin. God is love, therefore he won't send anyone to hell got news for you. God doesn't send anyone to hell. It's our sins and our rebellion and our disobedience that takes us to hell. I preached a few months ago on whatever happened to eternity. And I talked to you about heaven and then I talked to you about hell. When is the last time we really heard a sermon that was preached about hell? Not a sermon that was preached to bring people uh, into and manipulate people. But a sermon that is preached so that people will understand and know the truth. That if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you die without him, that you're not going to heaven. I don't know if you've noticed it, but everybody goes to heaven today. I mean, live like everything. Don't know the Lord, and oh, they're in heaven. Hallelujah. I got news for you. We're going to get to heaven and find out some folks we thought was going to be there is not going to be there. And some folks we didn't think would be there will be there. A loving God will not punish sin. A loving God will not send anybody to hell. We use these false ideas to justify our behavior. God is love, therefore he accepts me as I am. No, you come to him as you are. See, that's contrary to the word of God. So listen, I want to read this from the New Living Translation out of Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. 
Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful thing their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself who is worthy of eternal praise. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the woman turned against the the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Verse 30, they're backstabbers, stabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Sounds like our day, don't it? I have come with good news. You can be liberated from the power of deception. You don't have to be deceived in the day that we live in. John 8, 32, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This morning, I want to speak to you for a few moments about the dangers of deception. Where does deception begin? Well, it begins, first of all, with suppressing the truth. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. What does it mean to suppress the truth? Well, suppression is defined as to hold back, to subdue, or to crush. To suppress the truth is to entertain a lie. Lies originate with Satan. John 8, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your heart you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. In Romans 1, it says that men suppress the truth through unrighteousness. Listen to what it, how it reads in the Amplified Bible. For God does not overlook sin... And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness suppress and stifle the truth. Where does that happen? That happens down inside you. This is a false foundation. What is a lie? You were born this way. You cannot change. This sin will always hold you in bondage. Those are the lies that the enemy tells us. Listen, in the state of New York, that's infanticide. That's not abortion. That's infanticide. But not, we should not only be outraged about that, we should be outraged about all abortion. And listen, there is a fetal heartbeat bill before the Judiciary Committee of the South Carolina House of Representatives. And our own representative, John McCravey, is leading that fight. I encourage the church Wednesday night to call him, to email him. Don't be a lazy Christian. 
Get on the phone. Talk to your legislators and tell them we need this bill because we don't want the culture of death and the curse of death over our state. We got enough over our state. We want the blessing of life over our state. You say you're being political. No, I'm not. This has got nothing to do with Democrats nor Republicans. And I'm not looking to the elephant or the donkey. I'm looking to the lamb. Hallelujah. I'm looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. And on matters that matter about life and death and righteousness and unrighteousness, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should speak. Up, but to abort a baby right up to the time of birth, and the governor of Virginia, I heard him with my own ears what he said. He said that baby could be born, the baby could be kept comfortable, and then they could decide. And what they were saying was that baby could be born and they could destroy that baby. Let me tell you what happened in my family this week. My precious niece had two twin babies. They're identical, by the way. And they're girls. Maddie and Bailey's their name. And she went into labor. She's 32 in weeks, about 32 and a half weeks along. And those babies were born. They were 4 pounds, 10 ounces, 4 pounds, 3 ounces, 17 inches long. And they're in the little Nick unit one, but they're moving to Nick two today. We prayed. We asked the Lord to let their lungs be formed. We asked the Lord to let them breathe on their own. But those two little beautiful babies, I can't imagine in my mind. See, we're deceived. We're deceived. It's a woman's right. No, it's not a woman's right. That's a human being made in the image and the likeness of God. It's got nothing to do with that. That's the deception of our day. And if that's your thinking today, you need to ask the Lord to help you. Because the moment you're conceived, your life begins. Come on, somebody. You might believe in evolution and you might have some family members. And when you look at the way they act and do, you may think that's a good evidence for evolution. But I got news for you. You didn't spawn from a monkey. You wasn't walking through the jungle one day and a coconut hit you in the head and you became a man you made in the image and the likeness of God and it's time for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to stand up and be heard notice the words of verse 11 or let me go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 through 11 do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God do not be deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor homosexuals nor sodomites nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But I love verse 11, and such were some of you. Sin is sin in God's eye. There's no big sin, little sin. We, we classify sin and we list the sins we're comfortable with and then we don't the others. But listen to what he says, such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Some of you, that's past tense. One lie is you will always be in bondage to this sin. There's no hope, no freedom. The world will tell you once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. Once addicted, always addicted. I believe in the transformational power of the gospel. Such were some of you. Hallelujah. I once was a drug addict, but now I'm a child of the king. I once was an adulterer, but now I'm a child of the king. I once was a fornicator, but now I'm a child of the king. I once was a sinner, but now I'm washed, I'm sanctified, I'm set apart by the blood of Jesus. Don't let the enemy label you. Don't let the enemy try to steal your identity. We are saved and set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now maybe there are areas where you struggle, and maybe there are areas where you're weak, and you have to work on those. But I still believe that the blood of Jesus has the power to make us clean. And I'm not preaching no self-help today. I'm not trying to tell you to lift yourself up by your bootstrings. I'm trying to tell you that if God be for you, who can be against you? That greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So what happens when we suppress the truth of God? We exchange the truth of God for a lie. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Listen to those words in verse 20. They are without excuse. Why? First off, God reveals himself in nature. Secondly, there's an inner witness of conscience. Yet the truth is suppressed in unrighteousness and wickedness. Satan loves to to whisper in our ears. He accuses, he slanders, he deceives. He loves to entice to sin. He loves to deceive. So we must not suppress the truth because when we suppress the truth, we will then substitute the truth. When we ignore the warnings of the danger of sin, we will substitute the truth with a lie. We will believe the lie. We believe the lie of the culture. We allow the culture to shape our thinking instead of the word of God. We change the standards and the absolutes of God's word. We twist the word and use it out of context to justify our own lifestyle. We become deceived and if a lie is told long enough, it's believed for a truth. It costs something today to stand for truth. I've come this morning with good news. The gospel is good news. There's a price to pay for sin. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The highest wage sin can pay is death. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of sin, of men. So what does sin produce? Well, what happens when we substitute a lie for the truth? Well, let me give you four things real quick. Number one, sin scatters. It scatters. When we sin, pieces of the person intended for us to be are left behind. We trade something God intended for us, a blessing, peace of mind, self-respect, intimacy with God, or those we love, even physical health for a sin we've committed. Secondly, sin steals our freedom. Sin enslaves, ensnares, and puts us into bondage. It separates us from God. Number three, sin takes us out of our covenant protection. Sin produces an open door or a legal right for Satan to steal what God has for us. When someone sins, they trade their spiritual protection over that part of their lives for the sin. Number four, sin builds a new belief system within us. I call it entry points or open doors. We open the door for the enemy to come in. There's a price to pay for sin. And I'm afraid that so often we don't warn people of the price that they have to pay for sinful behavior. Builds a new belief system. It moves us away from the heart of God and from the principles he gave us for living our lives in blessing. And as we move away, we open the door for Satan to come in and affect our belief system. We substitute the truth for a lie. We substitute the truth with a lie. And when we do that, thirdly, we surrender the truth. Let's talk about that for a moment. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 23, the truth surrendered. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. What happens when we surrender the truth to a lie? Romans chapter 1, verse 25 through 26, who had changed the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed 
forever. Amen. And for this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions. Things don't end well when we disobey God. We become deceived, hardened. You say yes to the enemy and yes to temptation, it gets easier and easier and easier and easier. Look, I'm not your judge and I'm not here to condemn anybody. And I'm going to end this thing on a better note. I'm going to give you hope because that's what the gospel gives you. Jesus loves every person that's out there in sin. Jesus loves Muslims. Jesus loves Hindus. Jesus loves every nation. I don't think our nation is better than other nations. We've just been greatly blessed. And I think with great blessing comes responsibility. And we have a responsibility to be a light to the world. And may we never get away from that as a nation. And I don't mean a light for democracy. I mean a light for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, most of our great universities were raised up to train preachers. Harvard, Yale, Princeton. And now they teach all kinds of ungodliness. That's why we've got to preach the gospel. That's why I go overseas. That's why I go on mission trips. That's why I do the things that I do. That's why I go on radio and do all the things that I can do. Because I want the world to know that Jesus saves. Jesus loves them and Jesus can redeem them. And listen, we're not just trying to get people saved and ready for heaven. Listen to me. We want people to come into a relationship with God. Because you have peace that the world can't give, sin can't bring, that money can't buy. You have an inner peace down on the inside of you that's greater than anything that this world can offer. There's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can look adversity right in the eye. Listen, and uh, you can live at the very gates of hell. You can look hell in the eye and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. You might have all kinds of adverse circumstances and storms in your life, but if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have everything you need today. His presence is everything we need today. If you know him, you're a child of the king. You're ready to go. You're ready for heaven today. You have everything that you need. Hallelujah. You say, well, the enemy may come and still kill. He may come to destroy. He may come and steal things away from me. Well, if you'll stand firm and believe God, he has to give it back. Hallelujah. And he has to pay interest seven times. He has to give it back. I've come to tell you this morning that it's better to know the Lord with nothing. I'd rather have one dollar to my name this morning and have to go out to Red Lobster and get one cup of water and a slice of apple pie and be all I can afford and have the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart than to be the richest man on this planet and be miserable and be in sin and be deceived. Hallelujah. Let me finish this up. We become deceived, hardened, and alienated from God. Why are so many captured by vile passions? Why are so many adopting a lifestyle contrary to the teachings of scripture? Why is there such immorality? Romans 1.25, we exchange the truth for a lie. See, when you suppress the truth, and you suppress the truth, at some point you begin to believe the lie. But I've come with good news. You don't have to be deceived today. Jesus loves you. Let me give you a few scriptures, and then I'm finished. 1 John 1, 5 through 9. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we do. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his sin, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wrote, he said, my little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. But if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. None of us are perfect. But if we'll confess our sins, 
He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 5, 6 through 9. For when we were still without strength in due, Christ, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Saved from wrath. What does that mean? That's the wrath of God that he's talking about that's revealed against all unrighteousness. See, here's the thing. God's not sitting up in heaven pulling levers. I believe I'll judge him today. I believe I'll get her today. But the Bible says God is not malt for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If I sow to the flesh, I reap from the flesh. But if I sow to the spirit, I reap from the spirit. I like this saying. I heard John Kilpatrick say it. He said a Christian may come under difficulty, may come under attack, but somehow we always land on our feet. Being a Christian doesn't shield you from pain or trouble or difficulty. But we have a remedy for pain, trouble, and difficulty. His name is Jesus. Man, I don't know how people make it without the Lord. Look, I'm in hospitals all the time. I deal with funerals all the time. I deal with situations. And I think, how do people make it? How do people cope without the Lord? Man, I wouldn't trade my relationship with the Lord for anything. How do you make it without Jesus in your life? And that's the key to not being deceived. See, the enemy's a deceiver. He loves to bring people into deceptions. They're poisons that look like crystal spring water. A glass of such poison placed next to a glass of clear water will fool the eye. The two look exactly alike. But one has death in it, the other life. You have to discover by other means than drinking the true nature of the two liquids. In the same way, there are many things in life that are deadly but have the seeming appearance of goodness. This is why when you must make a choice about some pleasure, amusement, or action, you must not come to your decision on the basis of appearances. What may appear to be good may be evil. What may appear to be the truth, and that's what the lie is. A lie is not really a big, blatant, outrageous thing. Many times it's, it's so close to the truth that we have to have the discerning of the Holy Spirit to know what a lie truly is. We need the power of the Spirit of Truth living on the inside of us to help us overcome the deception of our day and the deception of our age. Stand with me.